0: Hi everyone. In this episode of the of Mind podcast, we spoke to the adventurer Antonia Bolingbroke-Kent. Antonia has been to some amazing places and undertaken some ridiculous adventures, like riding motorbikes solo through Northeast India and down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. All this started through riding a pink tuk-tuk from Bangkok to England in order to raise money for the mental health charity Mind. In our conversation, Antonia speaks really openly and honestly. About her struggles with anxiety and panic attacks. We really hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, give us a recommendation to a friend. Hi, Antonia. How are you? Hi,
1: Harry. I'm very well, thank
0: you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks too. Um, and you just got back from Jordan. Do you want to? What were you up to there? Was it Was it a good trip?
1: Yeah, I've just got back from Jordan. Uh, my uh, boyfriend and I run a adventure travel company called Silk Road Adventures and we were leading some motorbike trips there and yeah it was it was great Jordan is a a fantastic country and the people are well it's really hard to think of anyone who's more welcoming or sort of easy to connect with so yeah that it's fantastic landscapes but the people are the highlight in Jordan.
0: Brilliant um and normally you kick off by by talking about what your relationship with mental health is but I think it'd be good if you explained kind of your career to the listeners, just to give a sense of who you are, what you do and the kind of really big, uh, cool adventures that you've done.
1: (laughs) Career. I I never really call it that. (laughs) Rocky road through adventure, I think. Um, (laughs) But uh, gosh, how do I call it a career? Um, Well... um, I I suppose I'm a travel writer and an adventurer, for want of a better word, um, and an expedition leader. And for the last 15 years, I have been uh, travelling around fairly obscure, normally, parts of the world in unusual forms of transport. Um, So it started, my best friend and I drove a tuk-tuk. I'm sure everyone knows what a tuk-tuk is, those um, uh, flimsy three-wheelers normally found on the streets of Bangkok. Well, we bought one in Bangkok and drove it twelve and a half thousand miles back to England. Um, And the aim of that, actually, that all came out of um, a mental health story, because my best friend who I did the trip with, had spent about four years in and out of, of mental health institutions from the age of 18. And when she got better, she rang me and she said, right, I'm better. I want to do something to raise awareness about mental health and to raise some money for Mind Mental Health Charity. Let's drive a tuk-tuk from Bangkok to Brighton. And I was like, oh, my God, is she better? Uh, so that was how all the adventure things started. And we did it. We broke the Guinness World Record for the longest ever journey by tuk-tuk. We raised... £50,000 for mines. we wrote a book, um, and really, once you've done a big overland journey like that, you're you're ruined, because you can't possibly go back to a normal job, and all you want to do is do more trips like that. Um, so since then, I've been uh, going along journeys on my own, mainly, and writing books. Um, so I wrote a book about exploring the remains of the Ho Chi Minh Trail alone on a motorbike, and I spent three months traveling across the very remote eastern Himalayas by foot and motorbike. Um, and later this year, I'm going off for an expedition in a very remote northwest Burma among the Naga people who used to be headhunters alone. So, yeah, that's my thing now is sort of solo travel in remote regions and writing about it.
0: Wow. Um, so did you have much experience of kind of mental health and mental health issues before... Um before you went on that first journey with your friend
1: uh yes i mean in my early 20s i'd had a, uh, a bout of panic attacks which um i suppose happened began in my last year at university really sort of came out of nowhere uh and i uh i was about to say i got rid of them but that's not really the right right phrase really they they went away after about three years um but I never really dealt with them. You know, I took medication. I didn't have a good GP at that stage. I didn't see a good therapist. I wasn't doing anything to help myself really, um, apart from taking pills. But after about three years, they they went away, and I didn't really think anything more of it. Um, and then spent the, the the next sort of fifteen was it eighteen years doing you know traveling on my own and and having periods of depression. I've had bouts of depression since I was a teenager but getting on with it really.
0: For someone who for a kind of layperson, what does what does a panic attack kind of feel like what how does it kind of come on and and how does it kind of make you f- feel?
1: Um, well I think for people who haven't had panic attacks it's a very hard thing to understand and I think sometimes people use the phrase panic attack without really meaning they say oh I had a panic attack today but you know, but I, I actually there's there's a black comedy in the story about my first panic attack because I was at university and I was at hairdresser um, and I was getting my hair dyed blonde. So I was sitting in this chair with all these silver foils in my hair and suddenly my arms went numb. I started shaking um, and I started sweating and I was overcome by this absolute feeling of certainty that I was either about to die or have a stroke. Um, It was absolute pure terror. And I rang my friend and I just said, Scarlett, I don't know what's happening, but I need you to take me to hospital. I'm dying. And she came and she took me to hospital with all the foil still in my hair. And uh, when I got to hospital, they sort of did a few tests on me in A&E and they said, you're having a panic attack. And I'd never heard of it before. You know, I was 21. I was, you know, a student who did a lot of partying and that just wasn't in my lexicon. So, that's what it feels like and for me that's what it feels like just this physical sensations of numbness tingling shaking sweating massively elevated heart rate um dry throat um but also the very very strong mental sensations that you are about to fall over the abyss and you're never going to come back
0: yeah i think that's what a lot of people who haven't had panic attacks kind of don't really realise that the the physical symptoms can be kind of just as bad as the mental um, symptoms, the kind of shakes, the kind of tightness of your chest, yeah. and that kind of thing, um, yeah. and so you had that in your kind of early 20s, and was there a way, you said kind of medication, was there a way that you that you got through that, that you got better from that, or was it just a case of kind of over time they kind of just just went away?
1: Uh, it really was just a time of, I was put to telepram by my GP. I took that and over after a few years, they slowly went away. And um, I really wasn't doing anything to help myself. You know, I was carrying on passing and drinking and, you know, all sorts. And uh, But they did just go away, I suppose, when I was about 24. And I didn't really think anything more of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's, I think, for quite a lot of, um, I think, students in particular, the... The kind of cocktail of having to study hard, you know, um, drinking, partying—that kind of toxic kind of cocktail brings up um, brings a lot of people into kind of new experiences with with kind of mental health. I know for me personally, I didn't really have any kind of uh, notion of what what struggling with my mental health looked like until kind of a similar time to your final year of university. So do you think yeah. do you think that kind of environment? Um, sparked something that maybe was underlying for quite a while
1: um oh god it's really difficult to know uh I think um I'd had some very difficult things that happened in my family when I was about 17 and I just hadn't dealt with any of it I just buried it done my A-levels gone to university worked hard partied hard and I think it just you know, these things have a habit of seeping out through the cracks at some stage, or less seeping, more just exploding out of the cracks at some stage.
0: Yeah. Um and so they kind of went away, like you say. And then before you went on on your expedition to kind of north northeast India, isn't it? That kind of yeah. bit above yeah. Bangladesh, they they kind of came back around then, didn't they?
1: Yeah. So uh how how, how old am I now?
0: So this was
1: about two thousand and 15 I was basically just trying to do too many things at once I was still working I used to work as a tv producer and I was working at the BBC I was preparing to write another book I was writing articles I was just working like crazy all the time and I was kind of working in the mornings before I went to work I was working in the evenings I was working at weekends just this constant push 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 and I Suddenly started getting panic attacks again, and and again, you know when you look back on them now there 's this sort of element of black comedy. The first one happened to me summer two thousand and fifteen. I was driving on a really long drive down the m five from Scotland back to Bristol, and suddenly, I had this all consuming panic attack. I had to veer off the motorway. It was really late at night, and it was just shaking so much i couldn 't stand up, I could hardly breathe. my heart was going crazy, I was convinced I was going to die. Um, and I rang my boyfriend and said, I, I, I don't know what's happening, but I can't drive. And I, I really need you to come and get me. And cause he's an absolute saint. He got up in the middle of the night, got on his motorbike and came and collected me. Um, but I'd had to go into the, the, the nearest place, which was a 24 hour BP garage. And so sort of literally <laughs> throw myself on the nearest member of staff and say, I'm having a panic attack. Do you mind if I just talk to you till my boyfriend arrives? And, and, uh, because, you know, as you know, when you're having a panic attack, a really good way to get to get over it is distraction this man was so kind and he told me all about his heart problems his marisol problems and that made me feel much better um but yeah that was the beginning of, of a year of just a really terrible year of my life um i the panic attacks just completely overtook me in a way that they never had before um i couldn't be alone i couldn't work i had to cancel all my talks i relied on Marley my boyfriend so much because I just I I couldn't be alone and panic attacks were happening to me the whole time and I had this contract from Simon and Schuster to go and do this new book and I hadn't told them any of this was happening but I just said I'm going to delay the book by six months and I just thought I really want to do that journey I really I really want to do that book but at the time I couldn't even go to London for a night let alone go off on my own in in the remote Himalayas for three months. But I just was so determined to get better. I just threw everything at it. I, I was put on medication again. I found an amazing therapist. I um, did yoga and meditation every morning. I just was like treating it like an exam. I couldn't fail. Like I have got to get better. And and by about a year later, I,
0: I, I was better. That's brilliant. So was it was the kind of trip of motivation for you to really kind of find the energy because it's it can be quite hard to when you're really at that bottom of the kind of the nadir to find the energy to do those things to to get you better but was were you kind of driven by going to india and, and writing the book
1: i was massively driven by by going to india and writing the book and um I mean, I, I remember just like having days where I just was sobbing because I was like, "I've lost my life. I'm never going to be the same again. I'm never going to be able to do anything anymore." And just it was it was so scary and so um, it just it sort of felt like I'd lost everything. But um, yeah, it was a real impetus to to get better. And actually, when I set off on the journey, which was in in February, I was like. better you know I wasn't having panic attacks anymore but the shadow of them was still very strong I was still very afraid of getting them I didn't really trust myself and yeah the first few weeks of that journey were were, were quite shaky (laughs)
0: um and was it kind of once you got past that that shaky stage did you kind of prove to yourself that you know you were actually okay and, and the journey was going to be fine and um Or did you have kind of moments of real fear and and worry that it wasn't going to be okay and that you weren't going to be able to do it?
1: Um, The first few weeks, I remember I wasn't sleeping very well and I'd wake up in the mornings, often the anxiety. I I think a lot of people have this is really bad when you first wake up. And I would just I took my little yoga mat with me and I did half an hour of yoga to bring myself down and then I get on. And I remember after about maybe two, three weeks, I just suddenly felt better. I was like, I'm going to be fine. Um, and for the rest of the trip, I just felt a completely on top of the world. I just, it was so incredibly empowering to have gone through what I'd been through and then to be doing this trip, to be on my own, to, you know, be in such remote areas without a phone for two weeks staying with tribal people where you know they hadn't met English people before and there was no support there was no you know I didn't have a satellite phone there was no if things went wrong I couldn't suddenly go home and to be in that situation and be absolutely having the best time of my life and thinking and knowing I'm better I am back to me was just yeah probably like literally the best time of my life.
0: Being in that kind of stunningly Parts of its stunningly beautiful environment and around those people did that kind of, um, did that kind of I suppose speed your recovery up or or was it just a case of you had one big breakthrough and and then you just felt like you could rule the world I suppose
1: I suppose it, in a way it probably helped speed my recovery up I mean obviously I, there wasn't a control me to be testing how that other control me have recovered without this trip but um, I think it did speed my recovery up because you know, if I just stayed at home, I wouldn't have known what I was capable of. But by throwing myself in properly at the deep end, it was proof. You know, I really, it was testament to the fact that I was better.
0: Were there any occasions during that trip where you you did have a panic attack? And how did you kind of, if so, how did you kind of deal with, with, with it when you were very isolated? And like you said, in a place without kind of satellite phones and things?
1: No, luckily on that trip, I I didn't have a panic attack, Um, apart from there was about three mornings at the beginning where it was really bad, and um, it wasn't a full-on panic attack, though. It was just a very, very overwhelming sense of, shit, I can't do this, I've got to go home, and I'd ring Marley and be like, I think I'm going to have to come home, and he was like, you are not coming home, you're going to be fine. (laughs) And, uh, but after that, no, I, I, I never had a panic attack and I haven't, I've had like, Oh, maybe two in the last three years, but you know, the further you get away from them, the more your body and mind begins to realize that that's not a part of you anymore. So that fear of them goes.
0: Yeah. I, I completely empathize with that because my kind of, um, the thing that kind of pushed me into depression was chronic pain and it, it kind of flares up and when you, you mm-hmm. And like you said, with the panic attacks, the distance you have between flare ups, um, the longer that happens, the kind of less you're fearing that it's going to happen. Yes. And so that I can kind of, it's it's quite a similar process in my mind. Mm.
1: And then the less you fear it, the less it does happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And do you think to some kind of extent, the the kind of anxiety you had and the fear kind of drives you towards doing these adventures? And, And do you think you would have done them? if you didn't have those issues necessarily?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. I think, in a way, it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of who I am. You know, I've always been someone who, I suppose, pushes myself hard, which is one of the reasons I ended up having panic attacks. Um, But it's probably that thing in me that pushes myself really hard that always seeks me to do these adventures to seek out these very remote places to to write books which is no you know no easy feat um so yeah it's probably all part of the the same same thing it's just all the fabric of my slightly strange personality
0: (laughs) and how important do you think it is to have someone like you someone who kind of puts themselves in fairly dangerous situations and and lives in isolation for long periods of time to to kind of open up and say that that you actually do have these vulnerabilities because people might kind of see someone that's done the things you've done and think wow like she's super iron woman and can't be must be super resilient and probably never has her down days so do you think it's important that that you can kind of say that actually you have your ups and downs
1: I think it's really really important to be honest about these things and I think exactly as you say I think people often like oh you're so brave and and i remember when i first came back from that trip um and i started giving talks about the trip and i when the book came out people were really really surprised they'd come up to me after talks and be like i can't believe you had panic attacks like you would never guess it um and i think it's really important yeah because so many people have panic attacks and there's still a real stigma around these things. And the more people that can be open about it, the sort of more normalized it becomes.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and what do you kind of do day to day when you're not on a on a trip to, to look after your own mental health when you're at home? I don't know, maybe when you're writing or just in your day to day kind of life?
1: Well, I, th- I think because of everything that's happened to me, the panic attacks, um, I now do quite a lot to look after my own mental health. And in a way... The whole thing that happened with the panic attacks was so awful but actually it's somehow it's positive in the long run because I learned so much from it um and I look after myself so much better now so uh almost every morning I do uh either yoga or meditation for 20 minutes half an hour um I do a lot of exercise so today i've been climbing yesterday i went for an hour cycling i i walk i swim i play tennis um and also i've got a lot better at saying no to things and not putting so much pressure on myself you know if if someone asks me to to write an, an article or do something or and i feel that i've just got too much to my life i'm much better at just saying no i can't do that and i think i'm better at allowing space in my life
0: yeah so it's quite a nice kind of holistic approach i suppose
1: yes and i i I came off medication about a year and a half ago um which was incredibly difficult coming off it and i felt ghastly for about two months and then really i've been so much better ever since like the last you know sort of year i've just been been a lot better and i still have my down you know i probably will always have periods of depression i have weeks i have months where i feel ghastly but i i know it's going to
0: end yeah, and you, because you've had those experiences, you've kind of got a toolbox of uh, strategies to cope with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just you touched upon kind of coming off uh, medication, which is something that's um, that I probably need to do um, in the not too distant future. How how did you go about that, and um, and how was it as an experience?
1: Uh, well, I was really lucky. I I had and still have a really amazing GP um, who was so supportive over everything that happened um and he just said to me just do it really really slowly so um i was never on a massive dose i was on 20 milligrams of citalopram but i i just came off it infinitesimally slowly um over the course of two months um and you know by the last few weeks i was taking like sort of bits of powder really um but it was hard you know and I did feel it made me feel really anxious I felt I just felt very very weird for a couple of months but I just knew that I had to to stick at it that it it would pass and then I remember one day I literally woke up and I was like oh my god I feel normal (laughs) it's gone I've I've done it
0: that must have been a brilliant feeling
1: it was a good day yeah (laughs)
0: um and just to kind of start wrapping things up where can we find out more about what you do um and the books you've written and, and your other work as well
1: um i have got a website um which is called the itinerant.co.uk uh and i'm on instagram and twitter uh, at ants bk um and i guess that's all really yeah so all my books are on my website and on um in all good bookshops and that place called amazon
0: <laughs> um and just last thing where's the where's the best place you've you've ever had the pleasure to visit
1: Oh, that's such a difficult question. Um uh, the best place I've had the pleasure to visit. Um well I th- I absolutely adored Arunachal Pradesh. Um the Mishmi Hills in Arunachal Pradesh um because of the the people, the Mishmi tribe and, and the landscape. But also remote south um eastern corner of Tajikistan is just mind-blowingly beautiful. Um i'm um, jordan for the people
0: brilliant antonio that's been absolutely fascinating thank you
1: thank you so much and uh, yeah good luck with with all your um everything your health
0: Note to say that although we may find the things we talked about with Antonia helpful, we're not trained health professionals. If you're struggling with your mental health, contact your local GP or NHS service or call a charity like mine on 0300 123 3393.